what do we got today? All right, All right feed me, baby. Feed me like a baby bird. Let's start saying things we can record. Feed me yeah. some motherfucking content pellets. Okay, yeah, we talked about this yesterday, but... um. Uh, Alec Baldwin is going to have the Alec Baldwin show. So now he's just going pulling into like being a talk show host. He had a show. He did on MSNBC. Well, now he has a new show coming out. Oh, God. And the Hollywood Reporter um, interviewed him. And he just said, ever since I played Trump, black people love me. They love me. Everywhere I go, black people go crazy. I think it's because they're most afraid of Trump. And what I love about that quote is he said, ever since I played Trump, it's like, dude, you're still playing Trump. You haven't broke character. Yeah. That is the most Trump thing yeah. to say. No one on earth has said a more Trump thing than black people. The they blacks, love me. They love me. Black people go crazy. <laughs> they love it. They lo- Don't we love Saturday Night Live? <laughs> oh, my God. He was God. on this- Saturday Night Live. Trump was on Saturday Night yeah, Live. He was. Right. I just... I think it's just actors are just they have to operate at like a lower level of consciousness than anyone else to do their job. But it's just like, how do you like say that to the news? And you're like, all right, mail that interview. Yeah. Like in 2018. I mean, even if you said that in like 1995, people would be like, you sound like an asshole, dude. <laughs> yeah, it takes a certain kind of obliviousness to be an actor because other people doing that would be just riven with self-doubt. I mean, what? getting in front of people like that and having a camera in your face projecting on a giant screen, people freak out. Normal people freak out about that. You have to have a certain Mongo-ish obliviousness to even do that job. I mean, imagine you're the voice of the boss baby, and then you, you get done being like, all right, I'm this baby who's the CEO. I get done doing that voice. And then you come back, and you're like, anyway, here's my thoughts about this Trump guy. <laughs> I'm going to write a book about what it means to be a father. Yeah. I mean, what what is the show? Is it, is it the same as his MSNBC show? Because... That lasted like uh, one month. Yeah, he ended up getting bounced because he said something oafish and insensitive, if I remember correctly. But it was also doing horribly. Yeah. I mean, sorry, you just cannot compete with Katie Turr. You come for the queen, you best not miss. Whatever, it's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. He's going to do the Trump voice all the time. His his fantastic Trump voice. Are they hiring? That is frankly amazing. I mean, you watch him do that impression, you're like, oh my God, it's like he's in the room with me. Can I submit packets to that? Do it. I'll work for it. Yeah, do do a hilarious bit about a father who's caught on tape berating his daughter and calling her a rude pig. Uh, I don't know. You need like a rule of three there. Well, why don't we, uh, why don't we officially start the show? It's your Chapo. It's the gang's all here, and we're recording now live from Detroit, Michigan. Yes, Motor City, USA, baby. Rock and roll town, USA. Eight mile. The Motown. Mo- Motown, the motor, the motor, motor place. The arsenal yeah. of democracy. We're here in Detroit. We did a show at the Majestic Theater last night. Uh, great crowd. Beautiful, beautiful Gorgeous. theater. Here Gorgeous in old movie palace. Yeah, um, it was great. Um, we're in the city where they make all the RoboCops. Yes. We saw the building where they manufacture the RoboCops, mm-hmm. uh, OCP headquarters in downtown Detroit. Yeah. Um, but actually, this is funny. So we were hanging out last night with our friend uh, Jesse, who, who moved to Detroit not too recently, and he works in downtown Detroit. And he told us all about uh, Dan Gilbert. 
the guy who is CEO of uh, Quicken Loans and something that he just founded called Rock Ventures. Since 2010, which I think was probably like the absolute bottom of the housing market in Detroit, yeah, he has invested something like, I think, $5.4 billion buying up property in Detroit and moved the headquarters of Quicken Loans to Detroit and has basically made downtown Detroit into his company town. And he was telling us all about this and that, that they have something like 75 buildings with, and then their own network of private security force that are run by ex Navy seals and like SWAT team guys and a command center that like controls something like 500 incredibly high tech surveillance cameras that blanket this entire part of the city. And they literally are doing the OCP new Detroit thing yep. from RoboCop privatized police force. On a, on a new, like, hyper-gentrified uh, urban core. Well, you know, who's going to say no to that? Like, what, what civic official in this area is going to be like, no, we don't, we don't want... We yeah, don't want that's well, yeah, that's the thing. That's one of the reasons that no, that's, like, the worst job in the world is to be, like, a mayor if you want to not suck. Because you really only have the power to do bad things. Yeah, basically. You have I, the power to sign off on developers destroying things. because, But you can't say... If you say no, you don't have the levers to do something that would be better. Like, you can't fucking single-handedly put up affordable housing or something like that yeah, who's gonna say who's gonna who's gonna hear that and say uh, no it's all right our, our civic our civil services are just fine right now the answering machine tape that we've got running 911 is <laughs> uh it's keeping the city afloat all right Wilbur? guys guys i'm just gonna say this then i'm gonna throw my mic down leave the room not read any comments about the episode <laughs> We need critical support for the police union now to stop privatization. <laughs> is uh, uh Gilbert? He's the guy who owns the Cavs, right? Yes, he owns, he currently owns the Cleveland Cavs. Mr. Fucking uh, Mr. Mr. Comics Two Dan Comic Sans. So Gilbert was a uh, they had uh, the RNC in his uh, uh, in the Quicken Loans Arena, yeah. yeah. And he was he was a never Trump guy, and and he thought the Trump people scared him. So he's he's good. He's he's in the resistance. Yeah. I, what didn't he like about Trump that he was like a bombastic rich guy who just <laughs> made like really stupid public statements without thinking about it yeah. and just sort of acted weird and tyrannically. Yeah. I can't Glad that Dan Gilbert has historically been against that. <laughs> Very cool. To be honest with you, I, I, I support the RoboCop program. I, I support uh, automation of police work just, just to put all these thumb-looking shitheads out of work. Chicago's always ahead of Detroit. We will get Gundams if they get <laughs> RoboCops. Well, seriously, this this private security force um, that they're using is, is about probably five months away from just having Ed 209s on every corner of downtown Detroit. Can you imagine how much it would fucking suck, though? Like, if it, tech companies now built robots, like, Facebook doesn't even really work. Like what do you what the fuck do you think a mech is gonna well, act fa- like? Well, famously in in RoboCop, the Ed 209s didn't work either. Well, I've never seen that, movie, <laughs> so now you look like an asshole. You know, remember that? Uh, remember that security robot in in I think San Francisco. In the yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked like a Dalek. Yeah, 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 yeah. That shitty thing that uh, within like two days somebody just threw into a fountain. <laughs> yeah, they knocked it over and took a shit on it. Can yeah. you imagine when they start introducing security robots to Philadelphia? Oh God! <laughs> oh they, man, that's, they, dude, that's gonna cause like you remember in the Animatrix. The an, I was just thinking yeah. that part in the Animatrix where they do a robot genocide. Yeah, that's it's gonna start in, like we're gonna get enslaved because of Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just uh, back to back to uh, Dan Gilbert's uh, Neo Detroit. Uh, reading from the Detroit Free Press here, uh, it says 
in an intersection of private security and public space because Rock's footprint sprawls across downtown. The company owns 75 buildings, and because the Detroit Police Department is chronically short of cash, it is in a unique position. In order to effectively patrol the company's footprint, the roughly 190 Securitas USA guards contracted to Rock pass through public spaces. And though that security presence is almost certainly responsible for the enhanced feelings of security downtown, because of this private encroachment on public space and the necessity of governing public space democratically, equitably, and transparently, there's a need for greater accountability that is not being met. So, yeah, it's yeah, private security company run by uh, ex-Navy SEALs that, again, has this incredibly high-tech network of surveillance cameras that can see you coming like a mile away and has basically created a kind of panopticon of all of downtown Detroit. And again, because the city... Uh, the city's actual police department is understaffed and underfunded um, and preferably threadbare in every other social services. They basically have no choice but to allow this OCP style company to create its own kind of company town. And I'm sure um, also contract um, local uh, drug kingpins and armored car robbers like Clarence Boddicker <laughs> to supply the uh, drugs and whores to uh, bedrocks and Quicken Loans um, staff. I see that Dan Gilbert is a fellow adherent to Xi Jinping thought. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, I'm sick of like local police force corruption and I welcome, you know, strong, upstanding, never corrupt, never steal, never freak out and kill somebody. Navy SEALs. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I honestly, at this point, aren't we all a little sick of these, these sort of, penny ante police shootings where just one person gets killed by a cop at a time i'm a busy man it's the 21st century let's get like a nisur square massacre going here where you can just get all the police killings for the year done just in one afternoon because somebody heard a car backfire how's that any different than what uh bobby schmerta did i don't know i still don't know what I, I know who he is he's a rapper but i don't know what he did nothing yeah he's in jail for no reason Matt. he's in jail basically for having friends i mean honestly it says here, Rock has more than 2,000 cameras, all told, in its facilities nationwide. They're monitored from Detroit. Some are fixed, some are in buildings, others are pan-tilt zoom cameras with a range of a half mile to a mile, depending on weather conditions. Camera operators work with security patrols, alerting guards to situations like medical emergencies or a lost child. I'm sure that's what they're doing with these cameras. The armies of, uh, you know, lost feral children uh, wandering around downtown Detroit. They're being connected with their parents by the security robots. This is all going to be good. Technology is our friend. Don't worry about it. They're also having their DNA analyzing connected with great deals at Arby's. <laughs> so, yeah, that's nice. We all know what the future is going to look like. I mean, this is my first time in Detroit. And we opened our show last night just by playing the clip of Robocop from Robocop where Emil gets doused in toxic waste and then melts and explodes when a car hits him. Yep. Probably my favorite scene in maybe Any all movie? movies it's ever. So genius. Every and kid remembers, you know, rewinding that so they could jack off over and over and over again. It's wearing out the VHS tape. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, parent, your parents eventually getting wise, like, we can't keep running Robocop. We know what you're doing. <laughs> well... I mean, basically, so I've never been to Detroit before, but my only knowledge of Detroit is basically from RoboCop. So it was gratifying to come here and be informed that that it's exactly right. Yep. That everything I thought about Detroit was true. Omni Consumer Products is 
taking over downtown Detroit and creating their own private uh, police force staffed with Navy SEAL That's funny, all, all of my knowledge of, about Detroit comes from home improvement, and <laughs> that's also all true. There's a, there's a fence by this hotel <laughs> we're staying at, a man who's dispensing wisdom, uh, and Al. Al is real. People tell me I everyone's look like using, Al Borland all the time. Yeah, you're Al. Uh, uh, yeah. Everyone's using Binford tools. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on to uh, international news from the uh, the local scene here in Detroit. Uh, Felix, did you see this uh, opinion piece in the Times today? The headline is, is the Saudi crown prince too disruptive even for Trump? <laughs> you know, it's a good question. But, you know, people ask the same thing about Steve Jobs. They ask the same thing about Vlad the Impaler. Yeah. He asked the same thing about Elizabeth Bathory. This guy, like every great interview. This motherfucker yeah. sure the hell knew how to disrupt that guy's like head from his body. <laughs> yeah, no, he disrupted all over Yemen. Yeah, he's he disrupted the shit he's out of Yemen. Disrupting just any woman at all yep. in his country. <laughs> he's <laughs> disrupting people who blog. Disrupt the, the shit out of Syria. Oh my God, he really disrupted that place. Yeah, that guy. I mean, the innovation that's going on is unworldly. So, I mean, I, I mean, uh, the, the story about what they did to this guy is incredibly fucked up. But obviously what I'm enjoying are all of the journalists who, because, you know, one of their own just got clipped and then dismembered by a Saudi hit team, uh, a country that they have been doing PR for yes. um, unrelentingly for the last, I don't know, since 9-11, basically, and probably before <laughs> that. Um, they all have to reckon with the fact that, like, they have to say something, you know, like it looks bad for them. Yeah. And I noticed not um, a good look. Yeah, Andrew uh, Ross Sorkin, who is a you know reliable mouthpiece for anyone with money and power. I remember he wrote an article on Occupy Wall Street was going on where he was like, basically like my good friend who's an investment banker told me to go there and check it out and just see what they're so upset about. When the when the Snowden story broke, he said, "If I was a cop, I would arrest Glenn Greenwald right now." (laughs) Like this guy has never seen an authority he didn't like. Like, he probably just, in his free time, goes to New York public schools and, like, helps out hall monitors. He uh, was the, um, he's, like, the chief ad, uh, consultant, I guess, for, and I think even, like, a co-writer and co-creator for that show, Billions. Yeah. And really, if you want to understand Ross, Andrew Ross Sorkin, he's Giamatti, and uh, the dominatrix is, like, money. Like, he will just get pissed on. He will get pegged. He just, he's a little fucking, he's a little piggy. He's a little fucking oinking, sweaty little piglet. Uh, he's the archetypal bootlicker, literal bootlicker. What did he uh, say about Occupy? Oh, he was just like, uh, you know, I mean, it's like the typical thing you'd expect from someone like that. I mean, I forget exactly what he said, but the gist of it was like, you know, that, you know, he went there to find out why people were so upset about and he still doesn't get it. They're all a bunch of dumb. Yeah, they just they don't, yeah, they don't, don't understand, it, yeah. like, how important Wall Street is or like, you know, how you know good the work they do is or whatever. Uh, but uh, Andrew uh, chimed in to say. I'm terribly distressed by the disappearance of journalist Jamel Khashoggi and reports of his murder. I will no longer be participating in the future investment initiative <gasps> in Riyadh. Oh, no. And what I love about oh, that is God. like, again, yeah, luring a guy into your consulate, then fucking whacking him and then dismembering him <laughs> is pretty fucked up. But it's just like before yeah. he would be fine doing this future investment Absolutely. initiative. Yeah. They like. They His only newspaper crew- just covered them blowing up a fucking school bus with a missile and carrying out an, a fucking genocide in Yemen. They literally still crucify people. Just 
you know, for talking shit. Yeah. I, I mean, they've <laughs> murdered political dissidents before. I mean, they they execute women for being like midwives, for yeah. doing witchcraft and shit like that. This is the country that all of these guys. By the way, um, Aramco funds Davos. Like what? all all of these assholes are in on this grift, and it's just like now it's awkward for them to keep doing all of their Saudi PR junkets that I'm sure they get paid to do. Because well, at, the, at the next Aramco investors meeting, I'm going to have something to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> because, of course, this is where they have to draw the line because this is the first time that they've in their own head been able to imagine themselves being in any way inconvenienced or threatened by this regime. So now it's serious because a friend, a guy I know might get murdered or hypothetically, I might even get chopped up, up chopped into pieces. And I just got to say, if, uh, if, you know, if the, if, if the Saudis wanted to stop what they're doing in Yemen and, you know, just do an international, like, scumbag, you know, propagandist assassination uh, tour, I, that's got to be a net positive for humanity. The Saudis have been doing just 12D chess for a few years now. They're playing chess. Well, chess. We're all playing checkers. <laughs> and... I got to say, this is the smartest way they could have played this. Absolutely. You take an op-ed writer who I would say even most media obsessives did not know. I'd never heard of this guy, yeah, honestly, before he got got. Never. Never heard of him. Even the people who just don't like know everyone in the media, they just didn't know this guy. And they're like, all right, we're going to secretly murder this guy in a state that's even more of a surveillance panopticon than America yeah. in Turkey. And no one's going to find out. And in killing this guy, we're going to kill the one type of person that our biggest defenders care about. Amazing. Genius. Just fucking nailed it, buddy. You good word, what Saudi Jared. Well, the, the, the really funny thing is all the, uh, all the Saudi uh, like propaganda Twitter accounts are, of course, working overtime on this. And what's the thing we saw today where someone was like, oh, yeah. Uh, they said, like, uh, Saudi Arabia is the Brett Kavanaugh of nations. Yes. <laughs> And they literally said be, being attacked by by stupid jerk leftists and falsely accused of things that you know we haven't done. Yep. I I hate beer. I've always hated beer. <laughs> um, and the, my my other favorite thing is the people that again all the fucking money they have and all the propaganda they've invested in in this country. Their their big gotcha to show that they didn't do this was uh, security footage of the guy walking into the consulate just flipped. To make it seem like he's walking didn't out. Didn't even change no. the timestamp. Yeah, they stamp. didn't change the timestamp. Yeah, they just reversed the image. They're like, dude, he's walking out. Look, look. If you if you look at this video, you can see him walking out backwards. Weird. <laughs> it's sort of heartening that they probably have more liquid assets than any family on earth. Yeah, the royal family. You got to figure. No, there's no, never been like a formal declaration of their wealth for obvious reasons no one's ever figured it out but you've got to figure after all these years after a few decades of full ownership of aramco the most insane cash flow of any private company they just they could buy anything and this is the things they come up with are playing the tape backwards and paying like bored 23 year olds to post you know honestly this is actually none of your fucking business dude And telling uh, Canada that we'll do 9-11 them again. <laughs> Money well spent, guys. Well, I mean, <laughs> what's, what's funny to me about this is, like, obviously they have to go through this formal rigmarole of uh, denying it in, like, the laziest way possible, but they don't really even have to do that. No, they don't. Because no. we, all all know, we all know, everybody knows what they did, but, like, so we have people like Lindsey Graham saying today, like, if it's true that they murdered this guy, this is huge. 
this is going to be a huge problem for them. But he's still saying if they murdered this guy and they're going to get away with it. Trump even just said the other day he's not going to stop selling arms to Saudi Arabia oh, because yeah. that's too many jobs and deals. Well, I, it's too many deals. Yeah. We're not going to let one dead well, asshole get you know, away with deals. That's always the case. It's the case with, with Canada's arms sales, with France's arms sales and everywhere else. And I at least appreciate that Trump is explicit about it's it true. because he is, you know, an infinite with no sense of subtlety. Yeah. And say like, look, all right, yeah, they murdered a guy, but that's a lot of money. That's a lot of sales. Our economy is pretty much propped up on on being merchants of death. <laughs> well, and the other funny thing that's going on right now, like obviously if you're Thomas Friedman or the Washington Post or Andrew Ross Sorkin, people who are sort of at a, a, a certain level of like uh, status of respected objective journalists, they have to put up this show of being like, if this is true, it's horrible and I feel very distressed about it. The scuzzier like right wing and like Israeli propagandists are now just saying that the you know, if you look, really look into this story, you'll find out that Jamal Khashoggi is a Muslim Brotherhood operative and friend of Osama bin Laden. Yeah, and he had it coming, and he had it coming. Yeah, about Khashoggi, and I want to preface this by saying, uh, being a shitty writer, you know, despite our joking around, does not mean you should get dis- dismembered while your fi- fiance is waiting for you. Uh, he wasn't the brave dissident to all aspects of all evil committed by the Saudi royal family people think but you know even that okay of all the shitty articles in the world is the is the conservatives who bitch about how mean everyone is to whatever shitty conservative online are they now saying like you know, if you write a shitty article, there's a good chance you're just going to be carried out in 15 Ziplocs. <laughs> okay, if those are the rules now, you know, okay, just, Sean. <laughs> the fucking, uh, the, 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 the bathroom scene in Scarface. But, uh, <laughs> no, um, and the other thing that they're saying, of course, a uh, friend of the show, Eli Lake, is like, mm, well, if Saudi Arabia wants to start acting like Iran, they're going to get, start getting treated like Iran. What? <laughs> no, because like, because like, it, what does that mean? What is that like? This is the well, because assuming you know, Iran also has executed political dissidents right, right, and like right, things right. like that. And then, of course, like the other thing that they're saying is like Iran is responsible for all of the deaths in Yemen. Okay, and let, and Syria. Let me just let me take on one part of this, one part of this little yoke that dropped out of Eli. Yeah, if Iran <laughs> did it, they would not have had to send fifteen guys. That's all. <laughs> The Saudis being the biggest pussies in the fucking world. Hey, we're coming to kill the op-ed writer. Bring the 15 toughest guys you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, Hezbollah would have sent an intern. They would have sent a fucking infant. <laughs> oh, yeah. What Trump can do about Saudi Arabia. So this is this Make is Eli's deal. brilliant advice for the president about how to deal with a, a rogue ally. I think this is going to be up there with that Vox article that was like, hey, Syrian army, Bashar al-Assad is out of town. Just sit in the presidential palace and say it's your house now. In the meantime, President Donald Trump should suspend arms sales to Saudi Arabia until he gets answers. And then presumably once he gets the fake answers he asked for, Eli will be fine with him starting it up again. Of course. This is all about just maintaining an appearance because that's what really makes Trump and now MBS, uh, what, what makes these guys uncomfortable with them because like a lot of the work they do in obfuscating the real motives and real sort of nature of these regimes uh is by 
is through the actual politicians maintaining kayfabe, basically. And fucking Trump and now MBS are just not interested in doing that, so it makes their job harder. And that's really the, the, the nut of all of their frustration. It has nothing to do with their actual actions. It's the fact that they're making their job harder. They're making their job of being propaganda mouthpieces, their job of convincing the rest of us that what we're seeing is not what we're seeing, just these awful, bloodthirsty regimes just maintaining their hegemony. Uh, we, it, we don't want to have to, you know, they don't want to make that job any harder by, by having people just say things like, hey, even if you killed the guy, that's a lot of money. Those are good deals. We got to keep making the deals. It's like, buddy. We're supposed to all be talking about shit like human rights and, and stuff like that. We're supposed to couch all this stuff. What are you doing? You're blowing it. He goes, um, and what about a more the more severe response? Saudi Arabia would definitely get the message, and other U.S. allies would understand there are consequences if America recalled its top diplomat and supported <gasps> a U.N. resolution. Oh, But that shit. risks undermining Prince Mohammed, and the U.S. has an interest in his success with promised reforms like greater mm. women's equality, a more open economy, and a less radical clergy. What's more, less U.S. military engagement in Lemon will likely lead to more civilian casualties. <laughs> I love that. I yeah. love that. <laughs> How many people have they killed already? That's been the defense of all yeah. our of our logistic support. Well, you know, imagine how bad it would be if I wasn't there. <laughs> uh, yes, which, did I steal from your house? Mm-hmm. But if I wasn't helping out the original robber, he would have taken your Blu-ray player. Yeah. I so he goes... Finally, the State Department should investigate all cases of missing and detained journalists and dissidents in Saudi Arabia and release the results to the public. Trump can do all this while making it clear that the U.S. remains committed to helping its allies counter Iran and Yemen, Iraq, Lebanon, and Syria. None of these allies, however, is indispensable. And if Saudi Arabia wants to act like Iran, eventually America and the world will be forced to treat it as such. It's like, no, you're not. You're, you're like, well, Yeah. You're not gonna. You're not gonna start advocating for us to go to war with Saudi Arabia, Eli. Stop fooling yourself. I, 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 love, I, I, just, I wish there was Vegas sports betting on this, so I could bet like how quickly things are gonna go back to normal. Yeah. At this point, I bet a month. next week. Yeah. next week. No, I would bet. I would bet under. I would a go. Month. I would go a month just because the the journalists and think tank people have to, you know, pretend like it's they wouldn't such... sacrifice a guy they've seen three times a year for the. Conti- their continued easy lives. It's such kayfabe, though. Yeah. Like, they have to put up this front of being like, mm, we're serious about, you know, maintaining our liberal world order and upholding these norms. It's like, no, you're not. You, you Like, you let them go hog wild and fucking, you let them do whatever they want. And this, this is how it really works. And yeah. it just like, it, just just go back to writing about Iran, Eli. Just don't even bother trying to criticize Saudi Arabia. Yeah. We all know what the fuck's going on here. In the 1970s, uh, the Pinochet regime blew up yes. a Chilean dissident and his American assistant in a car bomb in DuPont fucking circle in, in the middle Washington, of the day DC. in one of the richest neighborhoods in DC yes. in the middle of the day. Yes. And nothing, nothing happened, happened with that. The yeah. Israelis blew up an American Navy ship. They did do that. The USS Liberty. <laughs> you will be shocked at how much you can get away with when there's money on the line. Yeah. I mean, amazing. It, and again, as long as we're talking about the media and whatnot and uh, like their, their limits of what they'll tolerate in terms of a liberal world order, the Wall Street Journal literally has endorsed Bolsonaro in Brazil. Yep. Mm. And, and even in, in the article, endorsed him because he would basically do uh, burn down the rainforest and do a genocide in the favelas. Yes. And the, what was insane about that article is, is that the way that they are 
able to take this guy who is just an out fascist, a guy who genuinely wants to return to the military dictatorship in Brazil, who basically is talking about a genocide against all the remaining indigenous people who live in the in the Amazon that are getting in the rid, rid of ter, getting in the way of just turning it into giant fucking pastures for fucking McDonald's cattle, and also just a, a, a crackdown on everyone living uh, informally in the cities. Uh, they turn that into you know he's not very PC. Yeah, uh, he's he's willing to say stuff that some of the some of those social justice warriors get annoyed by, and and that really tells you the whole game is that is that at the thin end of the wedge, these guys try to make you think that all these political arguments are really just about language and about one side being a bunch of pussies and just can't handle the bants, essentially. But when you see how wide they're able to fucking define that, to take a guy who's explicitly said but in the past, we, the only way to uh, make Brazil work is to have a civil war that kills about 30,000 people uh, who said, uh, you know, if I had a gay son, I would beat him to, up or whatever. Uh, who who is whose supporters are right now on a rampage attacking anyone that they see who's opposed to him, uh, and then just turning that into just being t- un PC. Sure, that'll work for the dipshit Americans who process this, process all these debates on those levels of and just by the way, rhetoric. This- but that's what they're actually talking about. This is all just uh, this is this, these are the outriders for just a brutal fucking militarism that is going to be the response to inequality and climate change and everything. And by the way, these are all the same people who spent last week talking about how deeply frightened they were of those women yelling at Jeff Flake in an elevator yes. oh. or like, or, or just knock or banging on the door of the Supreme court. Like that's what they think fascist. That's what they've convinced themselves. I mean, I mean, they're lying to them. I mean, they're obviously full of shit. They don't believe this shit, No, but they've gone whole hog into now portraying like this is what fascism looks at looks like is sexual assault survivors yelling at Jeff Flake in an elevator yeah. I mean, or or may are yelling at Ted Cruz in a restaurant. Well, I, that, think, I think it was a conscious one two path, though. It's like I think there was a conscious uh, connection of the synapse where it's, you know, all right, we need, you know, Trump isn't Bolsonaro. He doesn't have it together enough to be Bolsonaro, but I think he would do all the things that Bolsonaro is going to do when he probably wins. But it is it is amping themselves up. You know, this is what we face. This is horrifying. Imagine if these people who didn't physically threaten us at all had guns. Okay, yeah. we need a strong man. Yeah. Need, it's our only way. Dude, it's our only way. We made the right choice. That, they're, they're so afraid of Antifa, which is like, I don't know how many, like I would guess at most, like there's a few hundred actual members of Antifa in America. I don't know. I could be, I'm sure people are going to yell at me for that. But like they, they, it's like it's it's the boogeyman that they're that they're psyching themselves up with to justify the reaction. Because here's the thing: we talked about last night about how tribalism is the new buzzword for every stupid person who wants to explain away the real political strife and differences in this country. The other thing that they're doing now is warning about mob rule. Yeah, they looked at the Kavanaugh protests and they saw mob rule. They saw all of the people because like they're, they're going to have to cover for the fact that they are incredibly unpopular, despite the fact that they control all of the government. And the more that dynamic goes on, the more people are right, honestly going to be upset and turn to things like protest uh, as a way to express that dissatisfaction. Um, so look, pay close attention to politicians and people in the media who are going to try to are trying to scare themselves and goose themselves with this uh this fantasy about how we're succumbing to mob rule. No, what we're succumbing to is that people are 
recognizing or running up against the fact that we live in a deeply undemocratic society. Yes. That our formal rituals and symbols and processes of our, our, our constitutional republic or democracy, in quotes, is totally undemocratic. We talked about last night. The senators who voted yes on Kavanaugh represent less than a third of the population of this country. Even though the Republicans held control, uh, of, they, they expanded their seats in the House of Representatives the last election, the Democrats received more votes by a huge number yep. than the Republicans. And did. you know who also the received? president yes. lost by three he million lost. votes. He lost. It's like, and, the, and the thing is, is that they're like, yeah, get over it. What? But when, when Barack Obama won a fucking landslide in 2008, within a month, People were marching around in front of Panera Bread with fucking AR-15s talking about how they were being fucking, uh, they were going to resist dictatorship. Uh, meanwhile, they expect everyone else to watch while a regime that is not legitimate by any of the ways that we have come to understand political legitimacy, uh, you know, like it's, it, we all, we are all taught like idiots that, yeah, everyone votes and the person with the largest number of votes is the one. It's like, no, a president who wasn't elected popularly, a fucking Congress that wasn't elected popularly, a, an entire chamber, the Senate, which is wildly, uh, malapportioned. And then they get to put people on a Supreme Court with the votes of, 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 of people representing a third of the country for life. Less than a third of the country. For life. And they will; those people will have the ability to strike down any if there ever is a return to popular fucking sovereignty in this country. And at this point, it doesn't look like it because everyone expecting that blue wave in November is going to have to realize that they are actively trying to steal the fucking election in the midterms with massive fucking voter uh, registration crackdowns and suppression in look, Georgia and Indiana. They're doing it everywhere. They have any kind of formal control over the process. And guess of what? It's all legal and democratic. Yep. It's all constitutional. They're filling out all the forms. They're crossing the T's. And that's all that matters in this country. That's what's so terrifying is that as long as the forms are observed, that's how like rigidly we have become sort of shaped by these. And it's not the norms. The norms are out the window, obviously. But the formal mechanisms of power, as long as the formal mechanisms are observed there is no trigger to stop things like that from happening from the georgia secretary of state who is running as a republican for governor and is also in charge of the fucking electoral process deciding we're going to apply a standard to voter registrations that means that if you left a hyphen out of your name compared to its record or you put street instead of avenue we can cancel your voter registration and then not tell you so you show up on election day and can't vote. I mean, we talked about this on stage last night, but I think it bears repeating now. Uh, what's going on in Georgia? I mean, look this up because it is the test case or what they're going to continue to do with the more and more, you know, the more and more, the more control over like the legal forms through the Supreme Court or federal judgeships or just state level secretary of states, how they're going to treat voting yeah. in just 2017 alone. The guy who's currently running for governor against a popular contender that's in a close race has kicked something like in one year alone, 70,000 people off the voter rolls. And wouldn't you know it, 70 percent of them are African-American in a state, Georgia, with one of the highest percentages of African-Americans in the country. I think it's almost like it's like 30 to 40 percent. Yeah, it's like 32 percent. But that's way less than the 70 percent of the. Of the uh, suspended registrations or whatever they are, and and again back to this idea about mob rule. It's like the other the other uh, 
stock phrase you hear all the time from stupid people who want to sound smart or just justify their own venality and evil is this is a republic, not a democracy. Mm, yes. That's one of the, like that's one of the, the the high key, like dumb guy trying to sound smart shit that you'll ever yeah. hear. And I saw I saw a thing another day, this guy, uh, Patrick Ruffini, who's this like insect looking GOP consultant said, you know, uh, liberals and Democrats just need to understand America is just a conservative country. We just are conservative. Our constitution is conservative. And you got to be, that's true. But you got to, again, pay attention to the conflation between the conservative nature of our government and constitution and the conservative nature of our population. Yep. And I got to say, I'll give him credit, Iglesias pointed this out and other people did too. Whereas if if he's so confident in the idea that America is just so inherently conservative in our culture and our population, why do they have to rely on things like the Senate, the Electoral College, gerrymandering, voter suppression, voter ID laws? If he's so confident that America is just such an inherently conservative country, you should be able to vote by the like from home on the internet. Yes. Being automatically registered and the election day would be like a national holiday. There's so many things we could do if there was a bipartisan belief that voting was a thing people should do. But that's not the case. The Republicans are fully on board with the idea that voting should be difficult. And they might give you some horseshit about how it proves that you really care about your vote and that you have civic virtue yeah. or whatever. But that's just jack me off bullshit. What they really mean is more people vote, the more fucked we are. And we're not going to let that because happen. Because they know... You know, forget on like calling yourself liberal or conservative on an issue by issue basis. They are wildly unpopular. It's insane. And guess what? The Democrats are, too. Absolutely. Look at look at look at polling on any kind of broadly left wing policy agenda. And you'll find that half of Trump supporters are in favor of it. Yeah. The the reason they're against it is probably because they just think like liberals or Democrats like it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say more about that, but just like look at what's going on in Georgia and Indiana right now because it's, you know, coming soon to a state near, near you. And again, we've talked in the past about the, how fucked up the voting is in the New York state, and that's entirely the Democratic Party yeah. as well. So, I mean, like, just because they're in charge doesn't mean it's much better. No. They're, I mean, I guess they're like, they're, they're just trying to make it harder for like an, anyone to run in a primary against yes. a Democrat, basically. But what's going on in Georgia and Indiana is just... Well, it, it should be noted that this isn't new. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the, one of the biggest stories from the 2000 election was uh, Kathleen Harris yes. the, purging yep. the voter rolls in advance of the election. And this is something that Republicans have been doing, and many Democrats as well, for decades now. I mean, maybe they're bolder about it, and maybe they're like... Uh, more people are just paying attention. More people are angry about it now. And ultimately, you know, these are voter suppression techniques uh, from the Jim Crow era. They're just now have been uh, metastasized throughout the country. And now that they've got Kavanaugh in the Supreme Court, I guess I'm they, they over the Roberts Court gutted the Voting Rights Act. And I think we're going to find what they're going to do now with their new Supreme Court majority is they're going to find that it's perfectly legal and constitutional to go back to all. All the old fun yep. ways of, yeah. Poll taxes, cool, go for it. Uh, of, uh, illiteracy tests, go nuts, have fun. They're yeah, going to do the whole what? thing. Property requirements, which, by the way, I found this out. Our, our friend Everett, uh, Agent Napoleon, who, who lives in Texas and is having a very difficult time registering to vote because in Texas it is far easier to uh, get a firearm than it is to register to vote because he doesn't have a photo ID. And uh, he's in a situation where he's going to have to, like, swear before a fucking judge or something that he's, like, 
actually lives there in order to even have a chance. He's going to have to do the voters' oath. To, to ca- yes, in order to cast a provisional vote. But what he could do, if he, without, he doesn't have a license, but what he could do, he could get a concealed carry firearms license. That would let him vote. The other thing he could do, show evidence that he uh, owns his home or has been employed for five straight years. He, that, so that's essentially, a, that's like a property requirement that I think if you make it impossible for people to get elect, uh, to get other means of identifying themselves, that's going to have to be what you, people get instead. And the only way you could roll back any of this, because yeah, for a couple decades now, there's just been like a slow chipping away, then sudden stripping of a lot of VRA uh, things in the VRA that were supposed to prevent things like this from happening. But the VRA at this point may as well not have been passed. Yep. It, it and the federal courts are still like they still lean a little more liberal than they do conservative, but I don't think they will by not the for end much of Trump's longer. Fir- first term. They I will think not. Chuck Schumer just did a deal where he let everyone go home to campaign and in return they got fifteen new federal judges who I'm sure are all blood drinking psychopaths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good job, wow, Chuck. Senate, Senate Minority Leader deals over here. <laughs> yeah. Literally, literally, oh, the, watch out, Donald. The, literally, he just gave up the courts for a bathroom break. <laughs> I mean, the only way, the only way, if there is another Democratic president and they have any type of maj- legislative majority, literally, the only way they could hold on to that is if they just reamed out the entire court system. Which oh, no. you can do, but I don't think they have the will. No, to they do would need that. to pick a fucking power washer and just blow all these psychopaths and like amateur magicians and fucking Bigfoot researchers that they fucking threw on the court and and uh, and Herbalife salesmen. They they just have to purge all of them. It's not just the VRA. I mean, even if they held on to their electoral gains, you know, unlike uh, last time, even if they did that. They could not even pass anything below, you know, an earned income tax credit yeah. for anyone unless they clear this out, unless they really take a long, hard effort to power wash this shit. Yeah. But honestly, I don't know. I just don't know if they're ever going to take power again. And the thing is, is you can make an accelerationist case there that, you know, for the for the anti-electoral left, who I think they have some some persuasive critiques about the way that electoral campaigns tend to sort of channel and diffuse energy uh but i think for the longest time the real meaningful rejoinder to that that i was always persuaded by is it's really the only game in town in america because people do have an innate sense that their institutions are legitimate even if they're not and they process politics through elections they see that as where the the, the what that domain entails and you know they're just not ready to imagine politics outside of the constraints of election but i got to tell you at this point if if they're just going to say okay we we can't we're not giving back power and we're going to do everything we can to essentially make elections just ornamental then that could be conducive to people realizing that as we said in a few episodes we've said before on the show like you know we might have to start talking about shit like being illegal about doing crimes essentially as a form of uh, like making politics mean more than voting or organizing campaigns. Well, that would be well, that would be the tipping point. Wouldn't yeah, it? I mean, and again, we've talked about it before on the show. I mean, like all of this, of course, is indicative that the people who have power know how unpopular they are. They know oh, how yeah. unpopular the things they actually want to do and are doing are, 
they've gotten away with it for a long time because you know most people just are happy to go along to get along or just they want things to be normal and they just basically want to be i don't know just like un- untroubled yes. and just like sort of could go go about their days but you know the the more they do this and again like this is all taking place under the backdrop of accelerating climate change and the pressure on you know resources and the massive upward transfer of wealth that like this is really their project is to again maintain i guess a kind of formal facade of democracy which I, they'd prefer because it's easier to do that but it is essentially one that manages the upward transfer of wealth and resources to them and also protects them from any challenge to that electorally democratically or otherwise which is why they're investing so heavily in things like you know safe rooms guns private security forces yes walled off you know compounds and and there was an article in the new york post about how the big hip trend in the hamptons is spending millions of dollars on safe rooms and guns and stuff and like the hook of it the comedy hook is that it's all these people who are paranoid about ms-13 and i'm sure at the front of their minds they are because they all love trump and that's what trump talks about and Everyone has a vivid imagination about, you know, some horrible gangbanger showing up at your house because they've seen it on TV. But that's not who that's really for. That's not at the deep level. That's not why they're building million dollar fucking bunkers. It's for everyone else that, that they because that's what this this is the end stage of hyper capitalist accumulation where it's like you got to grab all the chips off the table while you can. And so that you have the money to create basically a private infrastructure of survival when when the actual public sphere is no longer viable anymore, when, when, when public infrastructure and public services no longer exist. And, you know, when people no longer can just, like, go along to get along. Yes. Or just sort of pretend everything is okay or just, like, want to be left alone or whatever. Yep. Well, that will be, become functionally impossible. Yep. It really so, is. Yeah, pay, it's, late, it's late Roman Empire shit. So, uh, yeah, pay attention, like I said, to how often, you know, the Kavanaugh thing was, it like, a good dress rehearsal for this but pay attention to all of the politicians and media people who are now talking about mob rule and how terrifying and scary that is for our our our, our wonderful constitutional republic the idea that you know large numbers of people would you know attempt to you know take to the streets to ex- attempt that you know express their uh anger their legitimate anger and rage at uh, the people who rule them undemocratically. Yep. That's mob rule to these people. That's fascism to them. As they, again, literally endorse Bolsonaro in Brazil and, you know, I don't know, or the Victor Orban in Hungary. Yeah. So, yeah, pay, pay close attention to these people because they're telling you what they really believe. Yep. Well, that was cheery. Yeah, um, we, we, we did it again. Having we just fun on the podcast. Depressed ourselves again. God I really it. said we should have watched a movie. Today. Let's yeah. can we just, let's talk about Venom. Yes, let's end on a good note. Okay, Venom, okay. baby. Let's talk about Venom. Venom, 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 Venom. Okay, what is Venom? You've been talking about this for days. Now. He's a right, bad Venom dude with a rude dude. Is what? Okay, bad dude with a rude dude. Venom is an alien, uh, but he's a bunch of goop. <laughs> and... He you goops know, on your grid. Okay. Oh, he uh, sounds awful. No, no, you'd think that. But just wait. He goops onto Tom Hardy. <laughs> okay. And you think it's like, oh, no, this is bad for Tom Hardy. But it turns out Mr. Goop and Mr. Hardy, they have more of a symbiotic relationship because Venom is a symbiote. He's literally mm-hmm. a symbiote. What, uh, what, what is a symbiote? 
It's goop. It's goop. Okay, it's, it's, so goop. it's goop that uh, like enters your body uh, through your various orifices, and then like exists in your body, but can like take you know talks to you, and um, at certain points the goop comes out of you and it makes you into like a giant just beast mode. And, so the, and the goop is has a mind of its own. It's essentially like a sentient uh, costume. Oh, so the the ma- This is the mask. Yes. You're just yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, why didn't you just say it was a mask? And you know what? He's got big. He's got big teeth like the mask. Yeah, the mask. Yeah. 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 Yes. So, so it makes Tom Hardy cool. And yeah. it makes and, him horny. And he's horny. <laughs> yeah. And he's got the goo. And okay, and all the goo ability. All right, fine. That makes sense. Right. But there's a more powerful. Just, why do you guys just say it? Dark mask. <laughs> all right. So there's you a know more, I, it there... didn't occur to me, but dark mask is exactly what the movie Venom was. All there, right. There's a more powerful goop, and it turns out Tom Hardy's goop. He was like a foul son in the goop world. Yes. And he, they originally came because they wanted to feed on Earth. But Tom Hardy's goop is like, actually, I was like a goo- loser in goop world. I want to be cool here with you. Yeah. And it just, it's a wonderful story. Yeah. It's a great and so story. he fights against his fellow goops because there are other goops that are stronger goops who want to bring all of the other goops from goop planet to yeah. basically eat all the humans. Oh, no. Because that's the thing about the symbiote. He also likes to eat human flesh. Uh, but only bad guys. That's what Tom Hardy, he convinces him to only eat bad people and not eat the good people. He's basically Dexter Goop also. Okay. So we saw so, this movie uh, with Brett and Brian uh, the other night. And yeah, we've been, we've been thinking about nothing but, but just Goop and Venom ever thinking since about that we saw it. It's the only thing talking the guns out of our mouths. <laughs> what are the bad people that the, that, the, that the Goop is allowed to eat? What's the moral? Okay. Uh, we, we, okay. So Brian, rule. after he came out of the movie, said... It's the best Marvel movie ever made since, oh, yeah. since Deadpool 2. Oh, and uh, Venom would beat the shit out of Thanos. 100%. That's why they had to release it after Infinity yeah, War. He would destroy because destroy everyone. In okay, that so, movie. so Brian said uh, when Venom hits Redbox, it's going to be on every meme on Facebook. And he said, exactly right, because this is a Facebook style movie. Because at the very end of the movie, uh, Tom Hardy and his goop have sort of made peace with each other. And he talks to the goop voice in his head, and it gives him advice on his relationship and how to be cool. And Tom Hardy gives him advice on how not to kill bad people. And the message of the movie is a very Facebook message, which is like, there are good people in the world. There's a lot of good people. You can't, you can't kill them. But there are sickos and bad people, and it's okay to kill and eat them. So who are the sickos? In this movie, Elon Musk. Oh, okay. This Elon Musk, honestly, Elon Musk is the villain of this movie. He's a San Francisco area uh, tech genius who also has his own private rocket program. Yeah, he wants to colonize space because Earth is becoming un- uninhabitable. Even the goop planet? Well, he wants to use the goop to make uh, space like, suits to make like human alien uh, hybrids, and he does that by doing uh, incredibly dangerous uh, medical tests exposing uh, poor people to alien symbiotes because they're, they're desperate. And it turns out, for some totally unexplained reason, uh, some pe- most people, if you get the goop on you, it's too much and you die. But for others, for special people, the goop like, makes you thrive. And they, and they tried to explain it by saying, it's the, way that's, it's the way that some bodies will reject an organ transplant if they're not a perfect match. But they never explained how they match, how an alien species could match with a human it doesn't make any sense but anyway most of these people that they're experimenting with die but then hardy gets the goop on him and the fucking goop loves it 
Goop, he's in goop heaven. Well, here's the thing, Felix. You Felix made the very good point that I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of metaphors going on in this movie, like mm-hmm. for what for what the alien symbiote really is. Uh, it's about recovery. It's about, yeah. about being on. It's about recovering from drugs. It's about sometimes you may have to go back on drugs and go beast mode on a cop. Yeah, it's, like if even if you're a good person, you may have to go beast mode and go back to jail. Yeah. That's also the message of this movie. But to Matt's point about you know what makes what makes the goop symbiote gel with a person it's also a metaphor Virgil for being poly really yes. yeah 100% because 100%. Tom Hardy uh, has a, a relationship with Michelle Williams in this movie oh, all right. uh, they're engaged and then he and then he does something bad and she breaks up with him and the alien like the the venom symbiote is like slide in her DMs homie tell her you love her yeah we have to get her back <laughs> yeah um uh Tell her to go to bed. Ah, <laughs> say, ah, I'm screaming. <laughs> so, but it's sort of like it's a metaphor for introducing a third into your relationship. Okay. And the third in this point is a symbiote that lives up your butthole. Yeah. Now, the goop talks. The goop talks. That You can only hear it in your head if the goop is inside you. Oh, it doesn't talk to okay. other people unless... It takes you over and you yes. go, and you go into ghoul mode. Then it can talk. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, at one point, uh, Tom Hardy's goop does take over Michelle Williams and makes her go into ghoul mode, and it's pretty hot. <laughs> Honestly, no, Lady seriously, Venom is fucking hot. No, sir, there is one scene in this movie with a Lady Venom. And I honestly, I said it before, but I really wish the producers of this movie would have cut that scene because it was too erotic. It was so horny. I like. So I've, I've been too horny since then, I saw and Venom. Then it made out with Tom Hardy. It was pretty hot. And, and then what, keep in mind that when you go full ghoul mode as Venom, you become like a nine foot tall, just sort of slime covered uh, alien skull face with gigantic teeth and like a huge tongue. Yeah. Oh, oh, and there's some Blue Labs magic in the movie because at one point Tom Hardy does go ghoul mode. And yeah, he's a nine foot tall slime monster with a giant tongue and fangs. And the cops are like, oh, throw more smoke grenades at it. <laughs> That's that's blue excellence. But yeah, like the symbiote is like the third in your relationship. Like it doesn't always take. It could be a disaster. It could kill the relationship. But in some rare rare instances, yeah. if you do it right and you negotiate um boundaries mm-hmm. and talk about rules with with the goop, it will save your relationship and make it better. Oh, I that's, hope that's a good lesson. By having by having by by just getting all the getting even more goop on your girl yeah i i think you'd really like this movie and i think you should see it and tell people to see it because i want to see venom too does like does tom hardy go ghoul mode on his relationship yeah well we know there will be one because they set it up with an awful end credit stinger where woody harrelson is a serial killer wearing a raggedy andy wig of awful red yarn one of the worst fucking rugs i've ever seen in a film and he wants to talk to Tom Hardy for some reason that's never explained, even though he's just a reporter and he doesn't know this guy. But at the end of it, he goes, when I get out of here, there's going to be carnage. And for anyone who knows in 90s yeah. uh, comics, you know that there's another goop, an even more crazy, a more violent goop, goop, a red goop called Carnage, who fuses to a serial killer. And he is not an anti-hero where he only eats bad guys like Venom. He eats whoever he wants. He's a total fucking maniac. And uh, he will probably be the villain in the sequel. Well, good so. for that, Goo. I, I say live your best life. Uh, the, again, we, uh, Matt just alluded to it. The other, the other thing I liked about Venom is uh, that Tom Hardy's character is a badass investigative journalist. Who, but, but he's like only does like uh, video viral like news stories where he's like, 
Yo, can you believe they're dumping all this toxic waste, though? Who's responsible for it? Oh, the senators just signed a corruption bill. <laughs> it's very, it's it's very, very vice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, uh, he's like a badass vice reporter. Yes. Who's like, yo, I did acid and talked to this guy about the goop. <laughs> and I'm doing the voice, but like, I cannot, again. You can't I do cannot, it. No, you can't. I cannot describe to you. The accent Tom Hardy does in this movie, because even he doesn't know. It, he he cycles through every yes. regional dialect in in America yep. at random and seemingly without thought. It yep. is impossible to put your finger on. It just there are so many. Again, I got to say, Tom Hardy kind of a genius because, it, in my opinion, I'm being serious now. Like the only thing that made this movie entertaining at all was just his completely unpredictable line reading. His line reading is absolutely baffling. Like, you have no I gotta, idea. I got a symbiote up my ass. <laughs> yeah, he did Al Pacino and Heat. Yep. Yeah. A little bit. He had like a British accent at one point. He had a Boston accent. He had like a mid-Atlantic the Philly Hepburn kind of, accent. Yeah, the Philly accent. I mean, so he's, I, he's an everyman. Yeah. Oh, he's literally every man in America. But like to me, it sort of sounded like Travolta and Welcome Back. Yeah, Connor. yeah, yeah. Like it was a little bit of like, oh, geez, oh, God, I don't know what to do about this crazy alien symbiote. <laughs> but he's also a badass vice journalist. And early in the movie, there's like a little montage of like all his media hits. Yeah. And he's like, he's got his notepad. He's he's doing confrontational interviews. And then just in one section, he's just popping a wheelie on a motorcycle. Yeah, because he's <laughs> bad. But they show him doing one of his viral videos and he's reading to the he's he's like reading his his prose to the camera like the the, the, the homeless problem in san francisco in the thousands now and instead of reading off of a teleprompter or something he's reading off of his notepad which no one does but it looks cool he looks like a badass journalist he's got a leather jacket on he's doing i talked to the homeless and they were like hey i can't believe it oh virgil you'd like this too he gets fired and michelle williams breaks up with him because he loves journalism too much yeah yeah really? yeah he, he does. gets fired yeah. for truth wait, it's true yeah. oh wait wait she breaks up with him because he loves journalism too much uh, no yeah. so here's what happens so that's it, another so he's polyamorous with journalism okay so here, here's what happens virgil he loves the news and the truth too much. Uh, his his girlfriend, Michelle Williams, and fiance uh, works for a law firm that works for um, the Elon Musk character's gigantic tech, you know, monopoly and space program. Uh, he's up late at night one night, and he's like, "Oh, geez, I gotta have some milk from the fridge." Um, <laughs> and he sees her laptop and decides to go on her laptop, and and he finds a document on her laptop that shows proves conclusively that uh, women are no good at STEM and are only hired uh, before being fake gamer girls. And uh, he releases it to the public and blows the lid off the gender conspiracy and ethics in video game journalism. And he's fired for that. He's fired for truth, if you, in, a, in a way, matter of speaking. It's true. Oh, that's shameful. Yeah. I can't believe it. I, oh, my God. I got to find out what's going on here with this crazy uh, Elon Musk guy. And then he teams up with James Damore. James Damore gets the goop. And he becomes a girl venom as well. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm bad at math now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he gets fired because he finds information about how they're doing evil tests on, on unsuspecting uh, homeless people. And he confronts him with it at the, what's supposed to be oh, a tough piece interview. Yeah. And he walks away and then he, they, he, he's fired by his job and Michelle Williams gets fired from her law firm. Well, wait, wait. That's not what journalism is. Journalism is being on Twitter 14 hours a day, getting in arguments with strangers 
and like writing uh, uh, weird horny tweets. That's well, that's a sequel. Anyway. That's a sequel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sequel sequel help with that. Oh God! Why would anyone wear a choker? Yeah. <laughs> oh my! Hey. God. Oh my God! You need to go to jail. You oh. need to go to bed immediately. I'm wooting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to imagine how Tom Hardy would say wooting. Tom, how does Tom Hardy make the soy face? Oh. No, Tom Hardy can actually cannot make no, the soy face because his tea is too off the yeah, charts. Yeah. You would have to. You would have to like put him under uh, some type of medication to make him do the soy face. Yeah. Yeah. He's such a method actor, though. I'm sure he would be like... You need to shoot him up with like a quart of muscle relaxants or something. Venom, however, is kind of constantly doing the the soy face. (laughs) Mouth wide open, (laughs) tongue hanging out, kind of a sly smile on his face. There is a scene in the movie where he's rampaging through San Francisco and then he just busts into a store and sees uh, the new Super Smash Brothers for Nintendo (laughs) Switch. And his tongue goes all the way out. <laughs> There's also a subplot. Again, he, he, he gets the James Damore Google document, the manifesto of truth, <laughs> and he leaks it to the public. And Elon, it's also revealed that Elon Musk has hired um, an underqualified uh, woman doctor just because she has glasses and a cute haircut, mm. played by Jenny Slate, who betrays him and then is given goop and dies. Yep. Yeah, it's cool how, like, the two main characters, they have the goop powers. It's never explained how you can be goop, like, how you can... By having a long conversation about boundaries and consent, as I mentioned oh, earlier. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone else who touches the goop just instantly. Exactly. It's a, yeah, exactly. If you, if you casually just try to be poly, it'll, it'll kill you and your relationship. Yeah. You have to be yeah. fully into yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. You, to, yeah, you, gotta, you, gotta do, you gotta do some reading. Gotta do study up. Uh, is, so, what's the consensus? Would you want to be a goop? 100%. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. That's absolutely. So definitely the right choice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's the best choice. Like, there's, as we saw in the movie, there's some, like, obstacles you gotta get over, but nothing in life is free. Yeah. No, it's totally worth it. You can't get an MRI, but other than well, that. What, I don't get those. Yeah, anyway. yeah. What do I gotta get one. an MRI? The, yeah, yeah. That healing factor exactly. from the goop, so you don't even get ill. You'll never need an MRI. Yeah, yeah, Steve Jobs, you know, we made fun of him, but he was probably trying to get the goop. In, in smoothie <laughs> form. In smoothie form. <laughs> so improve your digestion, too? Oh, certainly. Oh, oh okay. it would sort you out, Virgil. Yeah, you'd oh, have no nice. more problems. <laughs> but you'd have to eat people every once in a while. What? Uh, where am I going to find people? <laughs> you live in New York City. What, like my neighbors? Yeah. Your landlord? Your landlord? Landlord. Oh, landlord. Be good. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, Now we're talking. Those are the bad people yeah. that have to be eaten by the goop monster. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, why, I wish one day a real goop would come. <laughs> wash away the scum. <laughs> the cleansing goop. <laughs> Oh, uh, there's, uh, one other really hilarious scene at the at the end of the movie after um, evil Elon Musk has been defeated, he also becomes a ghoul monster as well. Right, yeah, um, yeah. yeah I forgot, forgot to mention that. Ghoul. Yeah, he becomes an even more powerful ghoul monster who can like make his <laughs> arm into like buzz saws and fucking spears and shit. Um, uh, Elon Musk is, and his and his rocket program are defeated. Um, and then like you think Tom Hardy has like rid himself of of Venom, but like it's not. He's just keeping it on the low. Yeah, he's not. He's keeping it on the DL. Um, and he's like talking to Michelle Williams and like, it's, you know, they kissed when she was the Venom, Lady Venom. And it's like, there's still some chemistry between them. You know, are they going to get back together? Mm. Probably. And Michelle Williams says like, Hey, like, are you going to go, go back to your old job? And he's like, yeah, they, they offered me my old job back after I was fired for truth. But he said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be on TV. Because I'm taking time to focus on the written word. <laughs> <laughs> he literally says, I'm taking some time 
to focus on the written word. Yep. My original love, the theater. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because every journalist wants to be like a novelist, too. Yeah, we talked about yeah. Jake Tapper's book. You know, he's like, I'm working on a novel about a crusading journalist who gets some goop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then, then after the story of the goop, Eminem song. Oh, yeah. There, there's, an, there's an original... Original. Ri- an original written for the film Eminem song. That's some that, real 90s shit. It goes over the end credits. Yeah, it's a rap song over the end credits. Oh, is it Goop? There it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, but Eminem does use the word symbiote. He rhymes the rap. symbiote. He's a genius. Well, I was saying that I don't think this was originally like he was contracted to do it. I think just Ven- he saw the trailer for Venom and he's like, I got to write a song about this. Yeah. Who's because this? it is so fa- Facebook. I mean, that gif of Tom Hardy getting the first Venom face like it goes over his head. That's God forgive me. I back to the old me. Yeah, like, I'm that's getting it. pissed. It's like I'm pissed now and I have to take care of business. I'm getting goop now because you made me mad. Yeah, back to what I said, like, you know, you, you're a good guy, you know, like you, maybe you've been bad in the past, you know, you've been twisted in the past, but like, you know, you're holding down a job, yep. you're being a role model to your kids, you yeah. know, you're not um, having, you know, rage-induced um, assaults every other week, right? you know, you're doing good, but like we all know there's that venom inside us, there's that joker inside us, there's yep. that Deadpool inside yep. us, and all of these figures are very important for people in America right now. Yes. Because, like, they, they represent that just, like, you know, as I said, I'm a good guy, but I may have to go beast mode and go back to jail. Okay, okay. And, and, and I'm, you'd be justified in doing so. I'm going to tie it together. I'm going to okay. tie it together. If you're a Democrat who, like, really, really wants to set this country on the right path, no more of this, like, you know, we can't escalate because they'll escalate shit. No, no more of it. you got to go into ghoul mode. Touch your goop. Yep. Touch that goop. We need to go. Got to get that goop. Full dude. goop. Oh, we're gonna. I'm gonna wait and vote, and I'm gonna see who becomes the 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 new chair of the of the oversight committee. Fuck that. Gotta go goop. You. They're not. They're not gonna let you be a good guy anymore because they're taking advantage of people's trust in these uh, institutions. So everyone needs to be full goop at all times. You need to go ghoul mode on the ghoul Supreme Court. Ghoul mode. Yeah. You need to go ghoul mode on the Senate. And ghoul mode on the Supreme Court. They're, ghoul mode on American fucking and here, electoral and here, politics. And here's why. All the bad guys, they already, they're already poly. They've got the, the symbiote up their asshole. Yeah, they're gooping all they over have, Yeah, like they, they're, you know, they're, they, they have the venom voice just telling them, like, you know, purge the voter rolls. Yep. Nominate Judge Ginny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, get some goop, folks. We all need some goop. Yeah. The Devil's Triangle is a drinking game. Tell them that. Tom Perez. These fucking idiots will buy it. Tom Perez, you look very sickly. You need the goop, like right now, oh, dude. God. Tom oh, Perez God. needs so much goop. Oh, God. Skeletor. Oh, Chuck Schumer, he is a goop deprived. He no, but like it. that's the thing. Like It will also be, there will be a, an, another positive effect of this is most of the uh, Democrats and resistance people who are exposed to the goop, it will kill them. Yes, that's so, true. Uh, Only the pure of heart will survive yeah, exactly. the goop transplant. Well, I know how many goop hasn't killed any Republicans as far as... No, because it killed Scalia. All... It killed Scalia. <laughs> Scalia was trying to get the goop, and he died. <laughs> Obama, Obama tricked him into eating goop. Clear eyes, full heart, can't goop. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. I think we're in a better mood now. Yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. much better. I feel I'm, excited to, I'm excited to red box the goop. We're going <laughs> to goop it up, and we're going to goop the fuck out of these Republicans. We're going to goop the fuck out of climate change. We're going to goop it. I feel positive, dude. If you're, if, you're in Brazil, if you're in Brazil, you're on the left. Get that goop. Yeah, get goop, man. You're gonna you need, need it. it right now, dude. Yeah. You need it. 
I hope I hope this word is still funny to you if you're listening to it. It's still funny to me. Oh, it's not being funny oh, after wait. utterance 300, and now it's funny again to me. Houthis, uh, get that goop. Um, <laughs> oh, what, oh, one last thing before we go. I, I, I did want to mention this. So we did a show last night in Detroit, and uh, right at the end of the second act, we had a we had a heckler. Yeah, I was in the middle of making fun of Jamie Kerchick losing his election for best boy of Yale. So funny, the the, the goodest goody good boy of uh, the <laughs> Yale trustees. He failed to get the adequate number of uh, signatures on his petition to be the uh, the goodest boy, the goodest Yaley boy in history. Owned. Uh, and we were making fun of him for his hilarious, like you know, adult student council election that he lost. <laughs> And this guy in the audience just starts yelling like, "Oh, no more!" I like I couldn't really hear yeah, we it. Couldn't hear him, but he was yelling. It was a very like, like, booming, like e- echoing room, and he was yelling something about oh, no more of the Yale alumni stuff. And I was I was feeling bad because I thought he just didn't like the set we were doing. Like, thought it was he was, boring. I thought he was boring. into it. He was like, "Yeah, fuck Yale." No, check this out. Uh, when we were signing books after. Uh, and Felix did go. He beat. went goop. I kind of went goop mode. Felix, Felix went, went beast goop. mode on this guy. He was just like, you did it before in Boston with that one guy. But you, was, that was, the same. No, that that was more was, funny. That was yeah, more yeah, funny. Yeah, this no. time I just went goop. No, yeah. no, no. Uh, in Boston, that was that was like low tier. Like you're not even letting the goop take over your body. You're just sort of like letting a little it's tendril so of goop come off. Bad, yeah. That was full body overtaking, full yeah. venom goop. Yeah. Yeah. Felix had the teeth and bit his head off from the stage. So anyway, like, and then we went into the second act. It was fine, and but then I was like, "What the what the fuck was going on with that?" And in, like in the back of my mind, I was just like upset because I just thought it was, uh, you know, it, it went on too long or it was not not a good set for a live show. But check this out: when we were signing books after the show, the security guard in the place told us that what the guy was actually mad about was that he was a Yale alumni that was mad that we were making fun of Yale alumni. Yep. He was just a Yaley who was, and I was just like, wait a second, you paid money to see us in a live show and you're, and you got angry at us because we were making fun of Yale. We literally did an episode a week ago called the most evil of Yale where Matt counseled everyone from the New Haven area to burn it to the ground. Yes. I don't know what I mean, Felix and I were literally honored by Yale. <laughs> yeah, we've been more honored by Yale than Jamie Kerchick or this guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Weirdos. Does Jamie know that you guys were given an award by Yale. Oh, we should tweet it at him. Yeah. Yeah, show him the picture. I mean, he didn't mention it, but I think that's actually the real reason he went for... Uh, he probably knows, and that's probably good, why good, he did goodest, it. Goody, yeah. good boy of Yale. Man, that is funny, though. He went on a national listening tour. That was, yep. a, that was a great bit. We should release that bit. He got point. less than half of the required signatures. That was, that was a solid roast. And he was complaining uh, that it was too onerous a, a number, and it was something like 3% of all so, active Yale alumni. That's I, a lot of... That's a, there's a lot of Yale alumni, man. Oh yeah, I mean the guy that they I mean he was kicked out, obviously. The first person you've ever had to kick out of a live show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rowdy Yaley. The yeah. boorish manners of a Yaley, it's true. Well, <laughs> if you are not a Yale alumnus and you're interested in seeing us live in the cities of Chicago, Madison, and Minneapolis, there are still a few tickets available for those uh for those shows. Our tour continues on. Yep. We, yeah, we're just Adding more fast travel points to the map. Yep. Anytime we want now, we can just like just just like just fast travel to Columbus, Pittsburgh, Portland, Maine, Portland, Oregon, L.A., San Francisco. We're, eventually, we're going to cover the whole map. It's all going to be filled in. These shows are coming up soon. I'm pretty sure Chicago is close to selling out. So if you want to see us live, get your tickets. ChapoTrapHouse.com slash tour. We will be in Chicago on Sunday night. Hell yes. Hope to see you guys there. 
I am going to have a surprise for everyone, but you have to come to find out what it is. Yes. All right, guys. Let's, let's, let's just goop each other up. Let's goop it up, right. buddies. Let's goop. Bye, bye. The world gives you a raw deal. Set you off till you scream, piss off, screw you when it talks to you like you don't belong. It tells you you're in the wrong field when something's in your mitochondrial because it lasts on to you like... Knock, knock, let the devil in, benevolent as I've ever been. Head is spinning, this medicine screaming, lick, 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 let us in. It lick, lick, like a solid ball. Edgar Allen Poe, bedridden, should have been dead a long time ago. Liquid Tylenol, gelatin, sneak my skeletons, melting. Wicked, I get all high when I think I smell the scent of elephant. Manure, hell, I'm in Kahlua, screw it to hell with it. I went through hell with accelerants and blew up m- m- myself again. Volkswagen, tailspin, bucket matches my pal skin. Merwin went from Hellman's and being railed in flavid. Scribbles, Amrap Olympics, 97, freak Nick, how can I be down mean? Bazaar in Florida, boost room, slept on the Florida motel then. Dr. Dre said, hell yeah, and I got a stamp like a postcard, what a mailman. And I know they're gonna hate, but I don't care, I barely can wait to hit him with the snare and the bass wear and the face disgust me. Better prepare to get laced because they're gonna taste my venom. I got that adrenaline room in them, get them, not knowing when I'm never gonna slow up in them. Ready to stab any room in them, taking this time to go get them. They ain't gonna know what hit them when they get beat with the I got that adrenaline room in them, get them, not knowing when I'm never gonna slow up in them. Ready to stab any room in them, taking this time to go get them. They ain't gonna know what hit them when they get beat with the. I said knock, knock, let the devil in.